Texas companies have gotten together to say that Republicans in Texas are ruining their businesses, which should come as a shock if you believe that the Republican Party is endlessly pro business, right? Or something like that. Let's discuss it. Newsweek reports a coalition of Texas businesses have said ambiguity over abortion bans in the Lone Star State is making recruitment harder following the near all out ban enacted by Republicans. An amicus brief originally filed by the law firm Reed Smith, signed by 40 Texas companies, was filed in support of 22 women suing the state of Texas over abortion laws. And many businesses have endorsed the letter. This includes Bumble and Match, which has Match.com and Tinder, advertising agencies Preacher, GSD and M, the event organizer South by Southwest, the United States Women's Chamber of Commerce and many Texas real estate companies, law firms and restaurant groups. The complaint is a clear one. What Republicans are doing when it comes to abortion is making the state less appealing. So when we want to bring uh, advertisers in, we have more trouble when we want to bring uh, people into our restaurants. We have trouble when we want to hire people to work for us in this industry or in that industry. We have trouble because women don't want to come here and their families is not just women. Uh, because of the absolutely outrageous laws when it comes to abortion. Now, we have talked about the losing issue that banning abortion has become for Republicans. It hurt them in, in 2022, uh, 2020. It, it's been a disastrous issue for Republicans because most Americans want abortion to be legal and safe in most cases. But we actually need to zoom out because the broader notion that Republicans are pro business in their policies is one of the oldest but most persistent lies in American politics. And it goes down the line. Tariffs and trade wars. Republicans often love using tariffs and trade wars. Trump did it with China. He thought it would be terrible for China and great for American businesses. And in reality, what those tariffs did is increase the costs for American manufacturers and farmers and led to retaliation against American exports. They say they're pro business, but that's not very pro business. Many of the immigration restrictions that Republicans love, tightening immigration policy, uh, making it harder for many sectors that depend on immigrant labor, agriculture, technology, hospitality, they make it harder for them to be fully staffed. This hurts their businesses. This leads to shortages. This leads to increased labor costs. It's not very pro business, is it? Environmental deregulation. There's the idea if you do environmental deregulation and you're just less strict with businesses about how they can per, uh, pollute and dispose of, of toxic chemicals, et cetera, it seems like it would lower their costs and be good. The problem is if you are a business that relies on environmental stability, if you have invested in green tech, then you are actually hurt by the environmental deregulation. Another one on the list that's not actually so good not supporting meaningful health care reform, maintaining the status quo where many people keep their jobs only to maintain health insurance is not good for companies because you have people who don't really want to be there. If you were to free people from this connection that exists between work and health insurance, you would then leave people free to really pursue jobs where they want to be working, not just because they need health care. So businesses would have more passionate and more motivated and committed employees. I could go on and on. But the point here is yet another way in which Republican policies aren't good for business 
the extreme anti-abortion laws that Texas and other states have passed. Donald Trump is panicking to block this one witness from testifying in the E. Jean Carroll defamation case. Now, as a reminder, this is not the civil fraud suit in New York. This is not Trump's criminal trials. This is the E. Jean Carroll defamation case. Look at this. This is uh, from the Daily Beast. As Rudy Giuliani reels from a devastating hundred and forty eight million dollar verdict for ruining the lives of two Georgia women, the person he was acting in service to Trump is desperately trying to dodge his own defamation disaster. Now, you'll remember that a New York jury uh, in May already found Trump sexually abused E. Jean Carroll, awarded her five million bucks. This issue is coming back next month. Trump is going to have a second trial over the way that he defamed her from the White House by denying her claims. One of the people that uh, Trump does not want to see in court is the court expert who put the nine figure price tag on Rudy Giuliani's defamation. This is Ashley Humphreys. Ashley Humphreys showed up and testified in Rudy Giuliani's trial and said, here is how we get to this defamation is one hundred and forty eight million dollars worth. That same Ashley Humphreys is scheduled to testify in Trump's defamation trial. Trump is panicking. Trump's lawyers are doing everything they can to prevent this person from testifying. Quote, this court should simply exclude Dr. Humphreys testimony altogether. That's what Trump's defense lawyer Michael Medio wrote last week, saying, please do not let this person testify. The defense's reasons for trying to push out Humphreys are sort of ironic. They say that her views of the damage damages are inflated. The damage estimations in her initial report are egregiously inflated to the tune of millions of dollars. Utilize methods which ascribe harm in an unreliable and incorrect manner and do not accurately reflect the actual harm to the plaintiff's reputation. Uh, what's so funny and ironic about this? is Trump's civil trial, civil fraud trial is all about Trump inflating numbers beyond what they actually are. Real estate values here, there, this building, that building. And now his lawyers want this expert witness excluded for that same reason. So listen, here's the bottom line. Uh, Ashley Humphreys analyzed the publicity surrounding Trump's defamatory statements. She understands what it costs to achieve reputational repair. She understands what it would cost to buy the amount of defamatory media coverage that the statements got. And she is able to say, here's the amount that E. Jean Carroll is entitled to and should get. And that is terrifying. That is terrifying to Donald Trump and to his lawyers because it means it could be a very hefty sum that he is ordered to pay. So we will see whether that testimony is excluded or not. Um, of course, prosecutors saying it absolutely should be included. Why would it not be included? This is an expert in this field. And then we will see we've got the second defamation trial with E. Jean Carroll. We have the civil fraud trial in New York, and then we have Trump's four criminal trials scheduled to start uh, in March. I believe it is. I'll have that exact date for you uh, next week. So that's where we are. And somehow Trump is running for president in the middle of all of this and going between rallies. And even if it seems like this guy has no shot, this is the only time I'll say it today, depending on what people call in about later. But uh, 
don't assume that what is obviously an insane situation, six trials, four of them criminal, et cetera. Don't assume this means Trump loses. It doesn't necessarily mean that Trump loses unless we all vote and make sure that he does. Hey, this is a funny little thing. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I meant to get to it Monday and the week the week just got away from me. There is an MMA fighter named Colby Covington. He is a big Trump supporter. And as you know, Trump and Republicans are big advocates of personal responsibility. Here is Colby Covington saying the reason he lost his fight to a decision is because the judges hate him because he supports Donald Trump. Listen to this. I did enough in the third. You know, he didn't put any damage on me. He got a couple of low kicks, but then I started checking him at the end. So, you know, I thought I had the win. I thought I did enough. But, you know, the judges have never favored me. They hate me because I support Trump. And, you know, everybody hates Trump in this building. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Life goes on. What happened to personal responsibility? What happened to it's not everybody else's fault. It's my fault. I just lost the fight. Now, hilariously, MMA or specifically UFC, the UFC League, MMA League, seems to be one of the most pro Trump sports out there. When Trump goes to so many different sporting events, he's booed. Even sometimes when he goes to college football in the southeast of the United States, which you would think is super pro Trump, the guy still gets booed. UFC seems to love this guy and the assumption from Covington that the judges must hate Trump and as a result must have unfairly found against him because he likes Trump is absurd. And what's the theme? The theme is when MAGA people lose, they can't just accept that they lost. Trump lost to Biden, can't accept it. Kerry Lake lost to Katie Hobbs, can't accept it. Colby Covington lost to I don't even know who can't accept it. It applies in elections. It applies in sports. It applies everywhere. And it's just a reminder, right? Just a reminder. If Trump loses in 2024, he will blame everybody else. He'll blame Biden, the Justice Department, the judicial system, state secretaries of state, whoever is running election, ballot counters, election overseers, everybody's fault but Trump's. If he loses in 2024, it's the one thing Ron DeSantis recently said that's true, which is if Trump loses, he's going to blame somebody else and say that it was rigged. Colby Covington saying the same thing. I'm not an expert on MMA, but I spoke to a couple of friends who are big followers. They said this guy just lost. If you disagree with me, let me know in the comments. All right. We have phone calls from you coming up. I'm going to answer some emails from folks. We've got the bonus show. I will then be off tomorrow on vacation. Monday, we are off for Christmas and then I'll be off a couple more days and then back with you. We will have a great cast of guest hosts coming in. I'll say this a couple times today just so, so people don't forget. Be nice to them, please. They're all good people. And there will be one new guest host as well who has never hosted the, the show before. Uh, more on that a little bit later. Here is an awesome last minute holiday gift you can send instantly. It's a trade coffee subscription. Trade coffee is where I turn to when I'm looking to get coffee with consistently high quality roasts, a ton of selection, customization. I've been enjoying trade coffee for years, which is why I asked them to be a sponsor of the show. A subscription to trade is a great holiday gift for any coffee lover. You choose how much do you want to spend? Trade will help your recipient personalize coffee to their preferences. 
You don't have to worry about shipping or deadlines. The trade coffee subscription is delivered instantly to their email inbox. Perfect as a last minute gift. If you ask me, trade is where you should go for a superior coffee experience at home. It's the best curated for you coffee delivered to your door when and how you want it. I get my espresso in a lighter roast the way I like it. I get my French press and Chemex in medium dark the way I like it. Whether you know what you like or you need some help figuring it out, Trade Coffee makes it super easy. Give the gift of amazing coffee. Give them an experience that will last all year from now until December 25. Trade is giving my audience 15% off all subscriptions. Go to drinktrade.com slash Pacman. That's drinktrade.com slash Pacman for 15% off all gift subscriptions. The link is in the podcast notes. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact based reporting for some much needed clarity in the finance world, helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement, all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you NerdWallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Using the Internet without a VPN can open you up to all sorts of issues. Hackers have more access to your data, including your finances. Without a VPN, your activity can be logged and monitored by your Internet service provider, by advertising companies, and then that data can be sold, which means your personal browsing data is floating around out there. You should use a VPN that helps make you anonymous online. It encrypts your Internet activity. The VPN I've been using for years is private Internet access. Our sponsor, Private Internet Access, is the VPN that people trust because it's the only VPN that has proven multiple times in court that they do not log user activity. People also love Private Internet Access because it's fast. If you're streaming movies, downloading large files, it works great. You can use Private Internet Access on unlimited devices with just one account. They have a 30 day money back guarantee, 24 7 customer support. It's a service you can count on. Private Internet Access is giving my audience a huge 83% discount. You can subscribe for 203 per month and get four extra months for free. Go to piavpn.com slash David. The link is in the podcast notes. The David Pakman Show continues to be an audience supported program. I invite you to get on board before the end of the year. 2024 is going to see to be perfectly frank, some price increases when it comes to uh, membership, when the new website launches looking like probably around February 1st right now. Um, and also, it's just a great time to get involved. You can go to joinpacman.com, sign up. You'll get the daily bonus show, commercial free audio and video shows, access to a members only soundboard similar to the one I use on the show. And we will ban men. Exactly. And so many other great things. Joinpacman.com is the place to do it. 
Let's hear from some folks in the audience. We normally do these calls on the Friday show because I'm going to be off tomorrow in advance of the Christmas holiday. Uh, we're doing it today. Today it's Thursday, but it's as if it were Friday. Davidpackman.com slash discord is the place where you can go. And um, when we do live calls, that's absolutely the way we do it. Let's go first to Zeus from Iowa who says he is a Trump supporter. Zeus, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask you, um, when you cover um, different candidates that are running, um, do you think you should cover more candidates than just Trump or Biden? Or is that your focus right now? Sorry, did you say Trump or Biden? Zeus, are oh, you there? Did did you say yeah. covering candidates other than just Trump or Biden? Yeah, kind of just, you know, give uh, other people like, you know, more coverage on like, you know, their positions. Yeah. You know. So, I mean, listen, here's the deal. Um, as, as far as the Democratic side, when Robert F. Kennedy Jr. announced he was running, we covered it and we covered his subsequent policy positions <laughs> and interviews. When Marianne Williamson announced that she was running, we announced we covered that she was running. Same with Dean Phillips, same with Jenk Uger. When RFK switched from being a Democratic contender to independent, we covered that. We we are covering the Republican primary more extensively because there is like a real primary on the Democratic side. You have an incumbent president who's running for reelection. So on the Republican side, we've covered every debate live. We've interviewed some of the candidates, Vivek Ramaswamy, we regularly cover all of the candidates running on the Republican side. So that, you know, we're kind of making a judgment based on what are the dynamics within these primaries, how much coverage, you know, a real contested primary versus an incumbents running for reelection. And we're kind of just, you know, trying to fine tune where we land on it. Fair enough. All right. That's it. Thank you, David. Um, and so why are you supporting Trump? I'm curious. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, so I believe that Trump has a stronger projection of power on foreign policy. Like with which countries? Well, sure. Let's give the example. Um, let's start off with Iran. Uh, okay. When he basically put sanctions on them. And in 2022, Biden removed uh, the sanctions. Okay. And then what were the effects of the sanctions Trump put on Iran? Well, the sanctions really weren't that uh, influential. It was oh. more so a position. So then why do you like it? What was that? Well, you said you like Trump because he's stronger on foreign policy in relation to other countries. You said you like yeah. that he put sanctions on Iran, but then you said the sanctions didn't do anything. So then why do you like that? Well, the sanctions are more so um, a point on what's going to happen right in the future. Because if you remove sanctions from certain countries, it shows we're de-escalating the situation. We're having a different. Isn't isn't that good? Isn't de-escalating good? Depends on the country. But you said the problem with removing sanctions is you're de-escalating. You said as if that's a bad thing. I think with Iran specifically, considering they support Hamas and other terrorist organizations, I don't think we should de-escalate with those actors specifically. You think from an es escalation is better? Yeah, I think it's going to force Iran to uh, be more, I guess you could say, um, careful, if that's the word you're looking for. 
OK. And then how about other than Iran? What other countries? Oh, that's a good question. Um, another country I could give an example is um, I would say Russia. And it's, it's a tricky one, right? Because this one's a little bit more nuanced. So we were basically having a uh, oil war, price war um, in 2020. And uh-huh. the Trump administration was able to convince uh, the Saudis to basically fight against Russia when it came to that oil uh, war. So our relationship, although not great, but better under Trump with Saudi Arabia, kind of allowed us to maneuver right against Russia. Now that Biden has had a worse relationship with the Saudis, they're not really listening to him. They're doing OPEC Plus. They're doing all these oil deals with it. But hold on a second, Zeus. Hold on a second. Mm -hmm. You're all over the place. You you said that you like the way that Trump handled the Russia relationship when it comes to oil. But then you said, and now under Biden, the oil relationship is worse with the Saudis. But you're comparing Trump's relationship with Russia to Biden's with the Saudis. Right. Does that make sense? So I'm saying for us to be tough on Russia, which, you know, for for basically Russia is doing well um, because they have a better they have a they have a better leverage on the oil economy. Right. But when you talk about the oil war, Zeus, Mm -hmm. here's the thing I want to figure out. Is the point of waging that oil war that you like that Trump waged to get oil prices Mm -hmm. up or down? To get prices down on oil. Oh, so then why did Trump try to work with Saudi and Russia to get oil prices up? Are you saying up for them or up for us? Well, it's a global price. So just we now know that Trump asked to work Mm -hmm. with Saudi and Russia to raise oil prices. Trump was regular. Do you remember Trump's rallies in 2020 where he would regularly complain that oil prices were too low? Do you remember that? Mm, I could see that. But I don't remember specifically. But so you said that Trump waged an oil war to get prices low, but he was trying to get Russia and Saudi to raise oil prices. Isn't that the opposite of what you said he was doing? So what I recall was he was trying to raise oil prices for Russia to basically have a disadvantage for their uh, for their oil prices to be high. But you just told me that. But it's a global price. You know, the price of oil is global, right? Yeah, it's a global price, but yeah, it depends. But you on just how- said you like that Trump worked to lower it, but now you're defending Trump working to raise it. That's that sounds weird to me. No, I'm saying for the Russians. So right. from my understanding- it just doesn't work that way, though. All right. Zeus from Iowa. Thank you. A little bit of an insight there. Um, make of it. Make of it what you will. Let's go next to Dakota in Massachusetts. Dakota in Massachusetts. Welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Cool. Um, so I live in Massachusetts, and I guess my question is, is it better, um, because we have open primaries, is it better to vote for a non-Trump candidate, so like Nikki Haley or um, uh, um, or uh, the uh, governor from New Jersey? Chris or, Christie. Yeah, Chris Christie. Or is it better to vote for like uh, um, someone on the Democratic side, like the um, because I prefer not Biden, but like if he's the Democratic nominee, I'll pick him um, if it's between him and Trump. But so who would you actually prefer, Dakota? Who would you real of the people that are running? Who would you really prefer? Um, 
Cenk Uger, but he probably doesn't have a chance in heck. Um, he, he can't legally be president. Did you know that? No, I know. Uh, he's. Does that I dissuade know. you so, at all? Um, then, uh, like, I know he doesn't have a chance in heck. Um, so I guess someone else. But again, we don't have a very good candidate on the on the Democratic side besides Biden, which I, I'm kind of mad about. I I don't I don't like that we have um, quote unquote two old people for that are most likely going to be the nominee. So here's what I would do, Dakota. I'm going to be super honest with you. Biden's going to easily win the Democratic primary in Massachusetts and Biden's easily going to win the general election in Massachusetts because it's Massachusetts. OK, so what I would yeah. do is I would forget about the strategic voting. If you like Jenk, write him in in the primary or whatever, since he can't legally be president. I don't even know if he'll actually be like on the ballot formally or, or you'll have to write him in. I would just you know, if you're not a Republican, there's no reason to go out and vote for Nikki Haley because she'd be less bad than Trump. I would just vote for whoever you like at each chance. And it sounds well, like what you're saying is vote Jenk in the primary and vote Biden in the general. And that that's what I would do. You know, I'm a moderate. I honestly um, before 20 um, before uh, 2020, I yeah. I have voted for both Democrats and Republicans because okay. I like both parties. I hate that we only have a two party system. I so wish that's surprising to me then that if you're a moderate, it seems you would be between Biden and Haley. But you're saying you would rather Jenk, who's further from the moderate position. That doesn't make know, sense to me. I know. I'm like, I, I'm weird. I'm a yeah. very. Are like, you trying to vote for the candidate? Are, are you are you a progressive? I thought you were a moderate. So, no, I am a moderate. So, like, I'm a progressive in, like, the views, but, like, money makes more sense. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I don't know, I guess, at this point. I'm, like, I'm, uh, I like, I like both sides. I like progressive views, but kind of the money on the Republican side. Like, I don't. What's your most want, conservative view? I don't know. I don't. Like, I guess I've been told recently that I'm more progressive or more democratic because I don't agree to um, the the military. Like, I don't agree to adding more money to the military, I guess, because. OK, but you I'm trying um, to figure like, out you said you're a moderate and you have left and right wing views. What what right wing views do you have? I, I guess like. Um, cutting money, but cutting money the best Way, what do you mean cutting? Sense? You mean reducing the budget? Yeah, I guess so. Like, oh, and I it sounds like you want to reduce the of, military budget primarily. Yeah, like, yeah, I that's a left wing of, view. That's a left wing view. Yeah, I kind of like what like I hate Matt Gates. Um, I call him Matt Gates because he doesn't do the But um, I agree that there should be like 11 appropriation bills or 12 or whatever they are, like individual appropriation bills rather than like a master budget. Well, listen, Dakota, I'm not hearing any reason you would vote for a Republican, but I do hope in the 10 and a half months before the election, you uh, you sort it out. All right, my friend. Yep. Sorry. Thank you. All right. Dakota I, uh, from Massachusetts. Very interesting, guys. What's going on out there? Uh, I think everybody's hearing it. Let's go to Jessica from Indiana. Jessica, welcome back to the program. What's on your mind today? 
Hey, not much. Uh, let me pull up my notes. I had, I had this written down. Uh, All right. Okay, so here's a hypothetical for you. Sure. Joe Biden and Donald Trump both magically kill over and die tomorrow. They, sorry, After did you say the, they both do? Yeah, they both. They both magically keel over. They're both out of the primaries. Got it. After all the dust has settled, who do you think comes out of the 2024 primaries on top? And who do you think would win the presidential election? I think if Trump dies, Nikki Haley wins the Republican primary. I think if Biden dies, someone who is not currently running gets drafted and becomes the nominee. I don't believe that it's Jenk Uger nor Marianne Williamson nor Dean Phillips. If Biden dies, I think it will be someone else. I don't know who. And if that were to happen, I have no idea who wins in November. Fair enough. Why do you not think it would be uh, Marion William Williamson? Isn't she the front runner besides Biden when it comes to the Democratic ticket? Yeah, honestly, I have no idea where the polling is right now, whether she's in I, last polling. I saw she was tied with Dean Phillips, so I don't know if she's the front runner or not. But I think if Biden dies, the Democratic Party finds someone else. Is it Gavin Newsom? Is it Kamala Harris? Is it who? I don't know who it is, but I think Gavin if Biden Newsom. dies, it's someone not currently running. Fair enough. And then this is just a recommendation, but I would love to see you do a video on the Z-Way interview with George Santos. So oh, I saw that. It's so funny. It is. So he, See, somehow makes him admit that he doesn't know who Marsha P. Johnson or who James Baldwin is. Yep. And I think at one or point, he, Milk, I think. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And at one crazy. point, and at one point, he even claims that Dan Goldman owes 180K in rent. <laughs> I didn't see that part of it, but it's a wild interview. Z Way with George Santos. Definitely check it out. Jessica, thank mm. you. Okay. Thank you. All right. Jessica from Indianapolis. Let's go next to, you know, there are so many people trying to get on today that it is uh, it's a pretty explosive situation. I'm not going to lie. Why don't we go next to Matt from Tennessee? Matt, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right. Awesome. Um, so my question for you is that, um, you know, Republicans and the right wing stuff, they keep on going down, you know, the extremism path that I yep. keep saying they're going down. You know, Project 2025 is the thing that's very scary to me specifically. It's yes. something that I've been saying about the whole, all over the place, seeing people talk about the contents of it and their plans and, you know, all this different stuff. And I am just terrified that if they actually try to put this stuff into your policy and put it into actual, you know, whatever, um, that it will have disastrous consequences and we might become like right wing fascist, whatever. Um, so that's been on my mind a lot, but also something that's been on my mind a lot is that let's say Biden wins 2024 Democrats win. Um, they get back the house because that's projected to what's happening, like at least right now. Um, and you know, we avoid that kind of situation for right now. What is to say, like, what is the end point to this? Where will they say, okay, it's, it's not working. This is not being electable. You know, all the candidates that were running on these positions are kind of losing. And if they're associating with Trump, they're kind of losing. And, oh, I see um, what you're saying. You're sort of saying, like, if Trump does lose in 24, what becomes of MAGA Trumpism? Yeah, I just I just see is like, is there a point, you know, will we have like a project 2029 that will go deeper into these views? And, you know, we will just go they'll go farther into it and burrow. And, you know, with like is there an endpoint to this? Is there a point where they will try to abandon that stuff or at least Listen, be here's my on view that. on this. Now, this may be naive. I believe that if Trump loses in 24 
and some of these MAGA candidates also lose in 24. I'm not saying this is the end of MAGA, but I think it's a major, major injury to MAGA. And at okay. that point, you would probably see some MAGA people kind of try to make the transition into being so-called normal Republicans, non non MAGA Republicans. And then if Trump loses in 24, he's going to be 80 next election. He'll be 84 or almost or whatever. I think that if we can avoid Trump in 24 and maybe knock out from from the House uh, some of the other MAGA people, I think it's the beginning of the end of MAGA Trumpism. That's why I think so much is right. There's it's such an inflection point in 2024. It really is. Um, you know, I'm I'm in Tennessee, obviously, and it's one of, if not the most conservative state in the country. Yeah. And it's just everywhere I look is that kind of stuff. And I've even had threats of violence against me because I've expressed mm. my views. Like I've, uh, I was driving down the road like a few years ago around the election of 2020, and I had like a vote Democrat thing on my bumper sticker, hmm. and someone in like this big white truck. And just big Trump guys tried to run me off the road and tried to harass me and stuff like that. It was a very scary situation. Oh boy! Um, and it's, it's it was something that you really made me realize. Like these people think that I am like the devil. You know, they see they they've been watching all these news stories and they're just focused on all the stuff, telling me like, you know, I'm the enemy. These people are out to destroy America, and we have to do everything. You know, and all these patriots, quote unquote, that are taking the law into their own hands and trying to do all this stuff. It's so scary. Yeah, I feel for you. I feel for you. All right. Well, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Of course. All right, Matt from Tennessee. Let's take a quick break. If you're still holding on to talk to me, just hold on a moment longer. We'll be right back and take more calls in a moment. One of our sponsors today is Manscaped. They make excellent products. You've got the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. This is Manscaped's fifth generation body trimmer and groin trimmer. You've got two next gen blade heads, your standard trimmer blade for taking off a little bit of hair, the foil blade for taking off a bunch of hair. All of Manscaped's devices are waterproof and perfect for the shower. You'll also want to pick up Manscaped's Crop Soother Aftershave Lotion and Crop Preserver Anti-Chafe Deodorant. Whether you're shopping for yourself, maybe there's a guy in your life, Manscaped offers the perfect bundle with everything. The Performance Package 5.0 Ultra includes the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra Groin Trimmer, the Weed Whacker 2.0 Ear and Nose Trimmer, Manscaped's liquid formulations and two free gifts, Manscaped's Boxers 2.0 premium underwear with moisture wicking technology and the Shed 2.0 toiletry bag. I have all of this stuff at home. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Pacman at manscaped.com. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. Use code Pacman for 20% off and free shipping the info is in the podcast notes. Many of you have heard me talk about the hacking that I've dealt with in the past. Look up the statistics. If it hasn't happened to you, it still could at some point. Our sponsor Aura is the all in one solution that I use to keep all of our accounts safe. Aura will scan the dark web for your personal info, email, password, social security number, and will alert you if it's found and will help you take steps to fix it. 
you'll get alerts about suspicious credit inquiries. Aura will monitor bank accounts and home and auto titles to help protect you against fraud. And Aura also will protect your actual devices from malware and scams with state of the art antivirus and a call screener. And Aura will help you manage what your kids can do on their devices with easy to use parental device controls. You can try Aura for free for two weeks at Aura.com slash Pacman. Your login credentials might already be floating around out there somewhere. It takes just a few seconds to use the Aura free trial to find that out. That's A-U-R-A.com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. All right, let's hear from a few more people who are holding on to talk to me. Let's start with Quinn Peebles. Quinn Peebles, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? What's going on? Hang on just a second. Quinn. Oh, hello. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, you're on the air. Okay, perfect. How are you doing? Doing well. Good, good. Um, well, I really wanted to talk to you for a second about um, the uh, the economy, real quick. The economy, uh, I said, right? Yeah. As a um, capital markets analyst for um, about a billion dollar asset management company, um, and I, I, it's my personal contention that I think your assessment of the kind of economic well-being under the Biden presidency is um, kind of misguided. Okay. Um, and I think that because there's a lot of attention being paid to um, the, oops, sorry, there's a lot of attention being paid on the consumer side, but there's not enough attention being paid on the producer side of the economy. And on the producer side of the economy, there are still kind of recession level red flags popping up. Um, and so I kind of wanted to get your commentary on that side of the, of the economy. Yeah. So um, what are the indicators you're referring to? Yeah, sure. So one of them would be the, um, the producer price index, which is still showing, you know, relatively higher than, I mean, that's higher than the consumer price index. And then additionally is a, an indicator known as the producer production levels or industrial production levels, um, which are actually showing contraction on a year over year change basis. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I pulled those up as you mentioned them. Um, you're not uh, wrong that those don't look as rosy as some of the other indicators. Everything I know about those indicators is that they are lagging indicators relative to some of the other indicators we usually look at. So I think you're correct that they don't look as good. I think that it would be expected at this point because we're just getting inflation down. We're just starting to get to the point where some of these more leading indicators are looking better. So I don't disagree with you. I just don't think you're really contradicting that big picture by the five or six major uh, metrics that are used to evaluate an economy. It's not a perfect economy, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Right. And I, I think I think that's part of the issue is because like um, the industrial production indicator is pretty big. Um, and I think that there's a lot of attention paid on the kind of, you know, private consumer side to, uh, you know, real GDP growth or the you know yeah. CPI or to all of the other indicators to which, you know, 
kind of amateur economists are familiar with. But but I think the thing, Quinn, with respect that you have to understand, and I, I think you probably do, is industrial production moves far more slowly and on a significant delay from something like the decisions that households make. If you decide you're going to go and buy a car, you might have the car within a week or two of making that decision. If you decide you're going to go and buy a house, typical closings are 30 to 60 days. Industrial production is much more long term and scheduled in advance. It moves way more slowly and on a much greater delay. So it makes sense to me that it might take a year before we see that indicator look better if indeed it's going to. You know, I'm not I'm not entirely certain that I agree with that assessment that there's a okay. significant lag. Like I I think that I think in general and from a forty thousand foot view, logically you're probably yeah. right. But I, That's I would what we're talking point about. to what's that? That's what I'm talking about. I mean, it's it's again, if you're saying we're going to start producing more uh, construction beams, steel beams, uh, that's a very long term thing to say, let's accelerate the scheduling of that production. Let's get the raw materials. Let's do it. Let's ship it to the United States for future build. That takes a long time compared to, hey, I'm going to buy a car in a week. I've got a car. Right. No, I mean, I, and I'm and I'm and I. I hear you on that, but I think that I think it comes down to an honest just misunderstanding of what the index is, which is, you know, industrial production. I mean, it sounds like what we're talking about, you know, infrastructure projects and, you know, uh, U.S. steel and stuff like that. But it actually refers to it, it's like an economic term. It's a little funny, but the, the way that it works is it's the um, the real output of establishments in the U.S. Right. And so it includes things like restaurants and grocery stores and, and everything else. Um, but, you know, not necessarily like sales, but production levels. And so, you know, when it comes to consumer goods, right? I, I'm sorry, Quinn, but what you're saying is just completely wrong. I'm so sorry, but industrial production index is capacity and production in manufacturing, mining, electric and gas. It has nothing to do with restaurants. Uh, okay. Well, in any Listen, case, Quinn, I, I appreciate the commentary. I think we're maybe getting into an area where, where you're not as informed as maybe would be useful, but I got 50 people waiting, so I'm going to move on. Okay. All right. Take care. All right. Thanks, Quinn. Yeah. Just got a little off track there with some stuff that just wasn't, uh, that's just not what the industrial production index measures. Okay. Let's go to an undecided voter. Our friend Aubrey from Wisconsin, Aubrey from Wisconsin, uh, welcome back to the program. What's on your mind today? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. Hi, Mr. Pacman. Um, okay, cool. I'm trying to find the question I was going to ask you. Okay. You're trying to find it? Where is it? <laughs> I, I DM'd it to a friend of mine because I wanted oh, okay. to like, make it sound intelligent. Cool. Um, which I found, I don't like sound very educated. Um, which I do have, like, an, I unironically have a undergrad degree. So I, I promise you, like, I'm usually smart. All right. Okay. Well, go ahead. What, what was the question? Good morning, by the way. Um, okay, so I wanted to ask you, I personally find the way that, um, the way that the government, um, the government, corporations, um, universities, and even Hollywood have been 
um, reacting to criticisms of Israel um, have been criticisms of what Aubrey ethereal <laughs> no criticism of Israel Israel is oh Israel right? Israel okay criticisms of Israel got it Israel have been outright McCarthyistic. Okay. The word. Um, I was wondering what your opinions of that are because I think it's actually kind of worse because during like McCarthy times, like the Red Scare and stuff, it was just like the idea of like commies versus now it's like people kind of afraid of it. Like they literally just passed a law recently that equates um anti-zionism to anti-semitism which Who passed I the law find. a law was passed where in in house like i will literally link it to you yes unironically a a bill in the house was passed that equated anti-zionism to anti-semitism oh but it's not I a law so the house bad. passed the declaration yeah we can argue about whether that's true but they didn't know laws were passed the declaration was passed but let me ask like you a Aubrey, resolution give me a specific example of this mccarthyistic sort of thing that you're talking about okay yeah based i could totally do that right um yeah. this this whole show trials bringing these um heads of universities into the um in front of these um like congressmen, right? Who are absolute clowns, like yeah. yelling at them saying, are you doing enough? Are you doing enough to protect your Jewish students? When like, this is like, and by the way, this literally happened a week after those like three boys um, who are all college students themselves from Trinity and Brown and I forgot the third university were literally shot. And one of them was paralyzed, right? Um, and also um, like, how do you say? So yes, of course, like protect your friggin' Jewish students, but also like, why don't you ever mention any abuses that happened to Palestinian kids? Because they were obviously Palestinian, right? They had like they were wearing kofayas, which I have like two in my closet right now, right? It's a mm. very specifically Palestinian garb. So like right. I, I just don't get it. It feels like a very show trialy, very like um I stand of Israel, I do this, I do that. Like Yeah, you know, you know in a sense I agree with you, Aubrey. And also I can't help but notice that the answers on is it OK to call for the genocide of Jews from the three presidents were a disaster to the point where alums, students and faculty all were like, this is crazy. You got to go. And that that ended up happening at UPenn. It didn't happen at Harvard or MIT. So I can kind of see both sides. I mean, a lot of the people participating in those hearings were trying to get their 15 seconds of fame or whatever. And that's absolutely the case. And also, I can't imagine worse answers from the three uh, presidents when they were just asked, hey, can, can you call for the genocide of Jews? And just imagine what the reaction would have been like if instead of Jews, it had been women or Palestinians or, or black people or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Listen, Aubrey, I'm super interested, actually, because you you vote in a critical state, Wisconsin, and you yeah, say that your vote matters. You say you're undecided and your vote matters very much. Who are the candidates you're considering voting for? Biden and uh, screw Trump. Okay. I'm not voting for either of them unless Trump, like, you know, Trump be like, Trump be like on Palestinians right now, though. He'd be talking about like how much he doesn't like Netanyahu. Um, I'm not voting for him, but I could see some of my family members um, saying that they'd actually so who vote are for you him. Who might you vote for? You're undecided. Honestly, write in myself. I can no joke. You'd write no, yourself. I'm not gonna vote. Like, I'm not like, no, I'm not voting for any of them. Oh, okay. so it sounds trash. like you are you just staying home then? I'm trying to understand. I'd 
vote. I'd go in just to vote for like people in my like county. But, but yeah, you would no, blank. Not, you would you would do a no vote for president. They all have blood on their hands. I think they're all evil. Uh-huh. I'm not voting. And I've and had do you think, Aubrey, if I may, do you think that Biden and Trump have an equal amount of blood on their hands and whatever you mean by that? So I've had arguments with people about this so like hard, right? They're like, okay, well, like at least Biden is good for like trans people. At least Biden's good for like the blacks and all this shit. Like, bro, I've like, I've like went to BLM protests and I like speak out on like gay rights and like, dude, I'm trying like, oh my God, wait, I want you to understand, Mr. Rockman, like I am trying so hard not to curse and I think you should be so proud of me. Yeah, no, and we already have a couple of bleeps. So Aubrey, we unfortunately <laughs> don't have unlimited time and I would love, sorry, sorry, I, I would sorry. love answers to a couple of these questions. Okay, so sorry, I guess sorry, my sorry. question is, with I, I, I've spoke, hold on, Aubrey, wait, wait one second. Whoa, hold on. I've spoken to you a few times on the show over the years. My instinct is you probably agree with Biden on abortion. You probably agree with Biden on economics. You probably agree with Biden on gay rights. You probably agree with Biden on abortion rights. You probably agree with Biden on most foreign policy. So I guess what I'm wondering is if you're comfortable saying I'm going to stay home even if that helps Trump win. Yeah, when it comes to Palestine, I'm a one issue voter. Yeah, absolutely. And you think Biden's as bad as Trump on that issue? So I'm I'm curious, and this is the last thing I'll ask you, Aubrey. This is the last thing I want to ask. Joe Biden has urged restraint when it comes to Gaza, Joe Biden has imposed that Netanyahu. For hold, what? hold on, no. Aubrey, am I able to get the question out? Okay. Joe Biden has said to Netanyahu, let the aid in. Joe Biden has warned Netanyahu an overreaction will be a problem for you internationally. Trump just wants to basically bulldoze Gaza. Are those equal positions in your mind? In my mind, at the end of the day, over 20,000 people are dead and barely any aid is coming in. And there's like literal like diseases like spreading. So, but no, Aubrey, it doesn't matter to end, me. It doesn't matter for you. The Biden and Trump positions are the same. Yeah. OK. Um, All right. And I'm Aubrey from I'm- Wisconsin. So great to hear from you. Things are otherwise good. I know last time you were on, you were having some re- relationship problems. I hope everything's going OK. I'm turning into a Tradcon wifey now, so I'm good. Sorry, what? Trapcon? <laughs> Tradcon. Oh, is that like a 1950s thing? Yeah. Oh, boy. All right, Aubrey, thank you for the call. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All Take right, there is Aubrey from Wisconsin. Shot out of a cannon, ladies and gentlemen. And on that note, we will go to a break. We'll take calls again. We will do it. I'm so thankful for everybody I was able to speak to today and this year. And we are going to be back with so much more after this very short break. 30 million trees are destroyed every year for toilet paper in the U.S. alone. So toilet paper is a big contributor to deforestation and climate change. Our sponsor, Real Paper, makes toilet paper from bamboo. Bamboo plants keep growing, which means no deforestation. Bamboo also absorbs five times as much carbon from the atmosphere as pine trees. And bamboo toilet paper is stronger than regular toilet paper and even softer. So bamboo toilet paper is all around a win for you and for the environment. It's time to move on from that toilet paper from trees that you're using at home. 
when you use real paper doesn't feel like you're sacrificing anything. It's soft and fluffy and they'll ship it to your door in plastic free packaging on a schedule. Super easy with every box of real paper you buy. They are funding reforestation efforts across the country through their partnership with One Tree Planted. So unlike the toilet paper that cuts down trees, real is helping to actively plant them. Go to realpaper.com slash Pacman and use code Pacman for 30% off your first order and free shipping. That's R-E-E-L paper.com slash Pacman and then use code Pacman. The info is in the podcast notes. If you're familiar with me and my show, you know that I don't promote crazy supplements, drinkable silver, wacky stuff that right wing shows do. I don't offer miracle cures or anything like that. I promote products that are backed by science and that make sense at the end of the day. That's what our sponsor AG one is. It's really simple. Instead of taking dozens of different vitamins, potentially spending hundreds of dollars on them. What I do is before my morning cappuccino, I have a scoop of AG one in water. Simple. I get the entire day's worth of vitamins, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics. It's in a form that you can absorb and utilize. It tastes good. You can put it in a drink. You can put it in a shake, whatever works for you. Unlike routines that involve all sorts of pills and gummies and the inconvenience and the difficulty of maintaining it, AG one is just foundational nutrition made easy and affordable. I've even gotten some friends and family hooked on AG one because it's just simple. It's simple and more cost effective. Go to drink AG one dot com slash Pacman. You'll get five free travel packs of AG one and a year's supply of vitamin D for free. That's drink A is in Adam G is in green. The number one dot com slash Pacman to get five free travel packs of AG one and a free year supply of vitamin D. The link is in the podcast notes. All right, let's get into the final Friday feedback on a Thursday because there's a guest host tomorrow before Christmas. The final Friday feedback before Christmas on a Thursday. Very special. Didn't want to miss it. You can email info at davidpackman.com if you have something to say. Hopefully it's productive and substantive, but it isn't always. We're going to look at a few uh, emails. We'll look at some Facebook comments. Uh, maybe there will be a tweet here and there. I don't know. Uh, all right. Let's start with a message from Declan. Declan wrote to me and said, you will kneel before your new King Trump. When the time comes, you will fall in line and stand before our glorious new king of America, Donald J. Trump, Trump 2024, Trump 2028, Trump 2032, Trump 2036, Trump 2040. He'll be old by then. One nation under Trump. You will profess love on your channel for our king or we will shut you down. I posted this one to my social media. There was genuine disagreement among my followers in the comments as to whether this is real or satire. We went and looked at Declan's history of commentary and it unfortunately didn't shed any light didn't shed any light on whether this is real or whether this is a joke. The fact that we can't tell is part of what is so extraordinarily scary about this MAGA movement. You tell me, do you think it's real or do you think it's satire?
uh, much more real. Thomas wrote in. Thomas doesn't like me. Thomas said, where are you getting your information? Yes, the impeachment inquiry is on and you're one of the deniers of evidence against Joey. For example, two hundred thousand dollar direct payment. That's a repayment from his brother. Whistleblowers, whistleblowers who have exposed no crimes plus question mark reports zero against Biden with documents and the number against Trump. No mention from you regarding guard Corvette that Hunter with drug issues had access to the same. You know, the, they were able to hold it together like the first sentence and then it becomes an unintelligible word salad. Continuing, it's one thing to hate and have patent prejudice against, but a denier of facts. With CNN, Collins tried the gotchas Trump and Abby interrupted Vivek. But does that deny the accuracy of the information from him? Uh, yes, Vivek provided no information that January 6th was an inside job. Thomas continuing, you and the others, even Harry Sisson paid DNC shill, very interesting spelling of shill, devote what part of your consideration based on facts? Feelings matter more than facts for you, too. Um, the, I, I, I know that these are native English speakers, okay? But we had there are so many people who are native English speakers and they write in and this is how they write. And I bring this up not to make fun of anybody, but to remind ourselves this is the sort of writing that comes out from the broken educational system that we have. Just think about the lack of critical thinking and understanding of the scientific method and other basic concepts. If this is how people who vote Trump are writing, thanks to the failures of the educational system, we think they're going to figure out for themselves who the right person is to vote for. Or what what's in what what policy plat platform is up for debate? I don't know how we fix this, guys. I really don't know how we fix it. And it's not about making fun of anything. It's about holy crap. We have a problem. We have semi literate. We have a large swath of semi literate or only barely literate people who are confident in their opinions that Donald Trump is the greatest thing since sliced bread or bread slicers, maybe. Uh, I don't know how we fix it. I genuinely do not know how we fix this. Okay, Mr. Galloway writes in and says Biden's approval numbers are abysmal. Most of the recent polls I've seen show Trump beating him. There's no enthusiasm behind his candidacy. The Democrats are hoping that fear of the far right agenda will pull Biden over the finish line. I personally don't think Biden can beat Trump. To be honest, I don't think he can beat DeSantis if Trump drops out or is unable to run. Well, I think if Trump drops out, Nikki Haley is going to be the nominee, but that's a different story. Uh, I think that this idea of no enthusiasm behind Biden couldn't be more wrong. It is true that Biden is not a cult like pop star entertainment type figure. And you don't have cultists who dress in Biden gear and you know wrap their car and vote in Biden gear or whatever. You have people who understand that Biden's a better candidate than Trump. And I believe that once Trump is officially the nominee, uh, you don't have to call it enthusiasm, but I'm going to call it commitment to voting Biden and preventing Trump from being president is going to be palpable. I am not when I think of my own enthusiasm, I don't say, well, am I enthusiastic about Biden? I am absolutely committed to taking any action I can take to prevent another four years of Trump. 
And that is hugely motivating to get me to go out there and vote in November. So that's the way I would see it. Stephen Jones writes in and says, you're delusional, wrong, your and misspelling of delusional. Um, two words and two errors. OK, you're batting a thousand, Stephen. Really, really great job. Keep them coming. Anna von Winkler said it's not a sad end to Chris Christie's career. He's going out speaking the truth and trying to warn the Republican voters. I'm from New Jersey and didn't like him as governor, but I respect him for speaking up and running to save this country from Trump. I have respect for Christie as well. Doesn't mean I like them as governor, doesn't mean I'm a Republican, but it also doesn't mean he's been consistent on this for a while. He stood behind Trump and said, this is the guy I'm endorsing. Um, but I respect what he's doing now. Marty Barrett says my favorite part is when Trump says if if this was anybody else, they'd be in jail, says the guy who laps the heels of a guy who has nine. Oh, no. Hold on. Who is this even about? Pretty sure. My favorite part is when he says if this were anybody else, they'd be in jail. Oh, about Joe Biden. Okay, some Republican said about Biden, if this were anybody else, they'd be in jail. And Marty says, says the guy who laps the heels of a guy who has 91 criminal charges and counting, plus disobeying multiple gag orders. Pretty sure we all know who else would be in pretrial jail right now, huh? Yeah, this is a good point. You know, constantly Trump and his defenders are talking about how uh, he's being treated so unfairly here in every way in these four criminal trials. Uh, other criminal defendants with four different trials in four different jurisdictions with access to a plane and regularly violating gag orders would be sitting in pretrial detention. It is absolutely the case. And when Trump says if they can do it to me, they could do it to you. We know they could do it to us. They do it to us all the time. The question is, will an elite be held accountable? Will someone like Trump actually have consequences for the things he's accused of doing if he's found guilty or takes a plea? Let's hope that the answer is yes. On the recent positive uh, jobs numbers, which were met with disdain by some on the right, Kelly Stevenson commented on Facebook. So too many jobs and decreased unemployment is a bad thing now. Those are some impressive acrobatics. The flexibility is amazing. Yeah, Kelly, didn't you know there are too many jobs now? It's we are dangerously fully employed and there are too many people working. The economy is too hot. Now, of course, there is some truth to if the economy gets overheated, you can start to see inflation. And this is part of why the Fed has put in place the interest rate policy that they have, which we now expect to be a couple of, of cuts in 2024, two or three. Uh, but as you can see, their argument is whatever is convenient at the time, not what is economically accurate. That's for sure. John Mattoon says, I am an avid supporter of Trump. I do criticize him, but you can't ignore his policies. It's funny. Liberals vote off of emotions and conservatives vote off of substance and action. Well, it's interesting to hear that from John, because every time a Trump supporter calls into my show and I ask them for tell me the policies you like, they either misstate or misunderstand Trump's policies or can't even name them at all. It seems to me that Trumpism isn't even about policy and the promised policies don't come true. 
Wall with Mexico didn't happen. New health care plan didn't happen. Fixing trade certainly didn't happen. Resolving the Israeli-Palestinian conflict certainly didn't happen. I think it's not they who care about policy. I think it's us. Let me know your thoughts. Send in your questions or criticisms to info at davidpackman.com. Remember that. So we've got the bonus show today uh, and then tomorrow we'll have a guest host. Next week, we've got the Christmas holiday and a couple of guest hosts, and then I'll be back next week. So just so nobody gets upset or confused, uh, I'll be off for a few days for vacation and then I'll be back and then it'll be the new year. And before you know it, it'll be the presidential election. It's going to happen that quickly. I promise you. 